Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. The ball straight run up. Now he angles it somewhat. Where I start, it's been up and down. I remember being a kid. I can see that happening. That's always something to do. Be unlaced. Unlaced podcast. It's actually not bad. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. First off, just want to acknowledge and thank all our subscribers, all our listeners, all the people liking every episode and sharing it. You guys are the absolute best. I implore anyone listening, if you haven't already, please give us a subscribe. It means the absolute world to us. And you get to listen to awesome conversations like the one we're going to have today with Bulldog superstar Lin Jong, mate, fresh into retirement. Bit of a been a bit of a whirlwind last twelve months for you, I imagine. How are you? Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks. <laughs> it's a loose term of the word superstar, but <laughs> but uh, it's been good, mate. Um, honestly, yeah, uh, it's a it's a weird feeling to describe, but um, it's a huge weight off the shoulders, and um, I think uh, I think I was definitely the right the right decision in the end, and um, the way I've been feeling, sort of. Obviously, in lockdown, a bit bored, but um, the way I've been feeling, um, oh, I know I made the right decision. Oh, mate, I um, I watched like a bit of your highlights this week, and Jesus Christ, <laughs> mate, you you have a screw loose, like running into packs, and like I know that stuff gets absolutely loved in AFL, but watching it, like even I, like I don't even know you, but I was wincing at a few of the things that you ran into. Have you always been like that or like what, like what goes through your head when you're doing stuff like that? And for those that don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking like genuinely not even seeing freight trains coming behind him and running with his, with his back to the ball, um, all eyes on the footy, which is pretty special. Um, I'm actually surprised you found enough time to watch my whole highlight. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes long. <laughs> um, no, but that's sort of, um, that's how I sort of grew up playing and, and, and I think that was sort of, um, how I sort of made a name for myself sort of early days in the, at the club um, to a point where I had a chat with uh, old Ruckman, Will Minson, and he sort of pulled me aside and said, mate, like, we we think you're, like, it's really brave, but some it's a little bit, like, it's a fine line between stupidity and, and courage. And, and so um, started, to, you know, after that chat, um, had to look after the body a bit and then not go go after after that many balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised, man, because it's it's pretty impressive. Like, um, I, w- I was a little bit shocked actually because I knew I knew you were brave, but then I watched it and I was like, something like even in your your initial games, it's like Jesus Christ. That's like boys, the senior boys would love that. I think initially that would have like got you some respect in the change room, I imagine. Um, I think so. Like I was, I was awful in my first year, honestly. I, I, um, I was, I played more in the VFL twos and, and than the actual VFL. And we had so many injuries and we we're going horribly in the season. And so I was gifted a game. <laughs> Didn't earn it. Um, but, but then when, when I sort of, I played better in the AFL than I did in say the VFL twos. Um, I guess you had all this adrenaline running and it was just, yeah. I had nothing to lose. And, and, and yeah, I just I coincidentally made a good impression, I think, um, and that was sort of kickstarted, I guess, um, or, or gave me some sort of a uh, foundation to to work off that. Did you find it harder playing in the twos? Because I, not not so much maybe from, maybe one from a motivational standpoint, but I always found with soccer because that's my background. You always played better with better players, like naturally just raise your level. So I always used to find it hard playing in the Magoos because. 
it was just different motivation, obviously one, and then you're playing on a different kind of environment, different players. The footy's not hitting your chest; it's hitting your you know, neck. Um, little things like that. Did you find it harder? Um, yeah, it's it's funny. There's actually some players that, that play better in the AFL than they would in the VFL, just because, um, oh, it could be the type of player they are, and, and you know whether the ball used to them is, is a lot better. Um, but I did sort of find that, uh, especially early, um, um, sort of especially running around the VFL twos, you you got no confidence. You, you're an AFL listed player playing in the VFL twos, you know, playing alongside, you know, people who, um, you know, not even. They're just there to, you know, fill in numbers and things like that. Um, but um, I think sort of once once I got a bit older and, and if you play on ball in the twos, it's a lot easier to play there than yeah. obviously in the AFL and, you, and you're probably stuck on a, on a forward flank. You're not really getting that on-ball time. But yeah, um, so it was a bit different for me. I enjoyed playing on ball more in the VFL. Um, and then got pushed out to a wing eventually once uh, the kids come through. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was afraid made pretty bloody good kids. And we're going to jump into, I want to do just get a bit of your assessment now. Because obviously when this comes out, luckily there's two weeks away. So the doggies will still be in the grand final. And we still won't know who's won. Um, but are you are you like a little bit surprised that they made it? Did, did you think that they would? I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. But like, I mean, I, I think they've had a great run home. And probably like people probably would have predicted Port Adelaide could have probably won that as well. So, I mean, did you, did the inner sanctum think that they were going to go this far this season? Um, well, I guess, um, it was, it was, it was funny. I, I used it as a running gag to a couple of my mates. Once, once I retired, we, we lost three in a row, <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously lost a couple of key players. Um, so I'll admit from my personal point of view, it was pretty nervy times, mm. um, I think if we, you know, coming into that Essendon final first, um, as a, as a, I guess as a fan for me, I was like, if we get knocked out here, it's, it's such a failed season. It's such yeah. a waste of a season with how, how we were going, how we went. Um, and then I guess once we got to Brisbane, um, it's sort of like, you know, I think we've got done all right to get to this point. Mm. I think we go one more step and it's like, yep, all right, I'm, I'm quite content, um, and that was one of the all-time wins. It was. And uh, honestly, against Port, oh, I ha- had my doubts just with all the travel and and you know everything stacked against us. And Port had the home game, literally the home crowd. Yeah. Um, and then for them to come out like that in the first quarter, I was I was I was a bit shook. Like I'm still in a bit sort of disbelief that we're in the granny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Man, but, they, and then they like they put their foot on their throat as well. It was yeah. like once Port had a tiny sniff, and I'm talking like a six-goal buffer. Then doggies kick like three in like five minutes again. It was like a game over. Yeah, and I think it's sort of like there's been a little bit of a knock that that we could do it against you know the lower teams and then um, struggle to compete with the with the top end. But um, to sort of witness that uh, to do that against Port on their home deck um, and you could barely hear the crowd. Um, it's honestly it was just crazy. Like um, we just seemed to be clicking at the right moment. Yeah, it's going to be um, very interesting because I think the lead up to these grand finals, the wins you've had, I mean, there's confidence is going to be sky high. If you um, look at Melbourne and obviously the Demons have had an unbelievable year, is it, what's the kind of real strength for them that you think could really be a tough matchup for the Doggies? Like something that the Doggies would have to be really conscious of going into the game. Um, obviously their, their backs are, 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 you know, best in the league Yeah, with uh, May and them Lever and, and their intercepting ability. Um, sorry. Um, and... And then, of course, the midfield battle. Um, uh, it's pretty, you know, it's very evident that sort of when we sort of lose it in the middle, we, we struggle a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, 
But we got big Steph Martin back, and 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 that'll help compete against Max Gorn. Um, and then yeah, it's it's as a as I guess a fanboy now, it's going to be exciting to watch the, the mids go head to head with them. Bloody oath, because they're probably the two of the best midfields in the comp, and everyone knew the Bulldogs were stacked in the midfield coming into this year with a couple of the trades as well. Um, we go into a little bit around, I guess, the more recent time of Lin Jong. I mean. A ten year, you're a ten year player in the AFL. Like I know you're going to play it down as like you 65 games, this that, but like the average lifespan of an AFL footy player is pretty short. So somehow you've grinded out ten years miraculously. You must have been a good bloke off the field as well. <laughs> I think that got me an extra two years <laughs> yeah. of being a good guy. <laughs> um, but it is like it's so weird to think, to sort of think. Oh, you know, I made it to ten years. I remember still because um, you go through sort of. Um, you know, your development stages and meetings when you're younger player. And, and uh, like they do tell you, I think the average lifespan is maybe five or six years. And I remember yeah. sitting there as a, you know, first or second year player saying, oh, I'm not going to make that. I'd be lucky to make it to six. I'll be so happy to make it to six. Oh, really? So you were you were selling yourself short initially? So, so I was no confidence. <laughs> no. After my uh, second year, um, I had my exit interview. Um, it's pretty daunting. You sit sort of at the table. It's all—it's almost a round table, and and you've got like you know fifteen blokes in there, um, some who wouldn't even have anything to do with your season, and they just sort of review your season. And um, I got told at the end of mine, half half the blokes in the room wanted me gone, half of them wanted to keep me, and I'm lucky to be here. And um, as in these are co- these are all coaches. Coaches. Right? Uh, Brendan McCartney told me that straight up, and I was uh, why? Like, what was the? Why was there a split? Um, I. Maybe it was, it, it did, I'll tell you what, it did motivate me, but, um, but I was, I was pretty, can you swear on this? Yeah. I was, I I was shit. I guess I was shit. I was shit. <laughs> and, what, um, footy player or like, so. Well, that year particularly, or... particularly that year, I, I, I broke my leg. So, I mean, I, I would have thought that stiff. was a fair excuse. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then for him to tell me that, um, it did kick me into a bit of shape, but I was pretty, I did, I cried afterwards because I was sort of, you know, you don't want to hear that check, as a yeah. second year player. Um, but. But then, yeah, that, that did honestly give me the motivation to sort of be like, I've got to pull my head in a bit and, and you know, just train harder, you know, do do a bit more in the pre-season, um, do a bit more in the off-season and, um, yeah, sort of got me going. We'll definitely go through the 10-year career in some depth because it's been a hell of a roller coaster. But just specifically to now, I mean, retirement, like what was the real reason that sort of pushed it? I know it's been sort of blown up in the media, obviously your retirement and stuff, but what was the kind of real reason for you? Um I guess, um, so last year, um, I did my syndesmosis, um, and I missed the, the whole season from that. Usually it's a eight week injury and I just couldn't get it right. I don't know what was happening with it. Um, so, you know, I ended up coming back to play my first AFL game since, since I took some time off from mental health, which, um, it was pretty significant for me and I got that taste for it again. I'm like, yep, yeah, I want to keep going. Um, cause I did lose that love for footy. Mm. Um, and then. I was like, yep, I want to go on for one more year. I don't want to finish in the hub bug. It was pretty shit. Yeah. Um, and so um, coming into my 10th year, I actually said to myself, this probably be my last because I'm pretty exhausted mentally, uh, physically. Obviously, the body's been through through a heap. And and then um, once I did that hamstring injury, I tore my hamstring. Um, and it's like, all right, I can get back towards the end of the season. And all I want to do and at that point – I was walking. I was coming off the ground, getting helped off. I said, "I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. This is it." And then, for me, up to there, I was like, "Yep, 
I want to play one last game in any capacity, whether that's a VFL, AFL, you know, it would be a dream, but I want to finish with a good memory and finish on the field, but... Not on a stretcher kind of memory. Yeah, yeah. Not, I didn't want that to be my last ever game, of you know, AFL or whatever. Um, and, you know, that's, I, I couldn't get the hamstring right. We ran out of time to, to, you know, let it heal and it wasn't healing that great. Um, and so I decided to call it, call it, call it time because I didn't want to keep churning out through rehab, um, going through those mental demons, um, every Saturday morning and, and, and you're watching the boys win, which is great, but it's tough when you're missing out and you're injured. It's, it's, it's bloody tough. Um, but that was, that was it. That was the final call. Once I knew I couldn't make that last game, which is all I wanted. That was, um, that was, that was it for me. Yeah. There's no more, um, there's no more motivation for me, even though that was like, you, yeah. you mentioned something that's interesting to me because I actually, there's a couple of things I want to go into, but specifically the comment around like when you're, because being injured is a fucking lonely place. Like there's no doubt about it. It sucks. You've almost got to work harder mentally, even though your body's not moving at the same capacity. Then like mentally you're working so much harder because when you go home, then you're icing, you're doing all this other stuff. You can't move, can't go out and see people. You got to stay on the couch, whatever. <clears throat> but the comment around like when you see the team winning and you're in that position, like, can you give me the perspective of maybe what some of the boys are going through now who aren't going to be playing in a grand final. And obviously you've kind of got to be that spirit and like good for the boys. But like, I don't care what anyone says. If you're an athlete, there's a bit of competitive demon in you. That's like thinking, fuck this. Like I, I fucking hate my life these, these next two weeks. Cause like it, it's not validating that you're not needed, but you're not in the, you're not in the, the window of what you're dreaming of. You're, you're sitting on the sidelines. Essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and even speaking to a mate about this, um, he used to say that he, like when he played local footy, he used to play in the reserves and, and sort of think, I oh, fucking, I hope the ones lose so I can, <laughs> I can have a, have a go on the ones. And, and as an athlete, I think if anyone that's played sport and you're an athlete and you know, there's been ones and twos, um, you know, like you, you people are selfish by nature. Yeah. And so, so, you know, obviously the boys up there, hundred percent, they're so happy for their friends, their boys, uh, um, and watching them go through, but hundred percent, they're all envious, jealous as hell. Yeah, wishing that was them. Um, it's a, and it's just an unspoken. It's an awkward, thing. awkward spot to be in. Yeah, because like you, you, you do actually want them to win, mm. but at the same time, you're like, well, fuck. Then I'll, I'll always remember that moment. It's like I didn't play when they did. As yeah, well. and and I sort of like I, I missed out on the. You've been through that. Yeah, on the 2016 one, and and um, I've sort of been a bit more vocal about it now because. I've mentioned how a change in mindset is, is so helpful and, and, and sort of healthy for you, for your own self. Um, but, but, oh, I got, I'm so glad I'm not up there because I would be, I'll be pulling my hair out. Could but... you have gone through two? <laughs> two. <laughs> I think, I think I, I, I wouldn't have even made the, uh, the second <laughs> one. So that would have been a bit, that would have been a bit easier, but, yeah. <laughs> but the first one was a bit different. Cause I think I was, I put my, put my hand up and, and yeah. it wasn't to be, but, um, but yeah, it would be it would be a tough time emotionally. I think that one of the things that I've heard you speak about, which I actually relate to you a lot, and and you probably don't really know my background with soccer, but this was one of the things I fucking struggled with. It was like, and especially coming out of soccer at a young age, um, like playing elite level soccer, which is one of the mantras of why this podcast started. Was I used to always take my performance on the field, off the field, like. So if I was the best player on the field, fuck, I was everyone's best mate. I would be on the phone to everyone laughing, happy as Larry. If I played shit, I was I was a prick, absolute prick, just because I was like, it defined me. So when I came out of the game, my identity was fucked because 
that soccer, like what I was good at wasn't there anymore. So then my self-esteem and everything dropped. Did you have similar, like when you, cause you've spoken about this and you've, you've actually said that yourself, like for you, like what, what do you mean by that? When, um, I guess your footy performance was aligned to you as a person. Um, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. And, and it, in everyday life, you know, when you, when you do good things, you're happy with yourself. If you do something stupid, you, you're not happy with yourself. And, and then when you put that into, I guess, a sport environment, um, um, you know, and it changes your mood, it changes who you are, it changes your identity. And it's so volatile because, you know, obviously it's it's pretty hard to be consistent at the top level and play well every time. And therefore you, your mood's just going to go rollercoaster up and down. And if your mood's like that, then how are you supposed to play, you know, well consistently? So I did find that, um, I guess, a big challenge in, in separating myself from who I am as a person as to who... I am as a player, mm. um, which are two different, two different things, you know? Um, and, and then, like you said, like, yeah, you know, you, you could you be bubbly around the clock. Like you played a really good game. You, you go, you bubbly throughout the week and then you play a bad game and then you're just in your shell again. Um, which shouldn't, you know, which shouldn't be like that, but of course, but, but it's, it, but it's it hard is. sometimes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if we go into your journey we touched on 10 years in the AFL now, so you got picked up in the rookie draft. Back in, was it 2011? 2011, yeah. 2011. Did you know you were going to get picked up? Um, I did. I, so I, I only had one interview in the, for the national draft, and that was with Collingwood. Um, and then they passed it me. But then um, I had sort of four more interviews in the rookie draft, and Collingwood said, yep, we're going to take it with our first pick. Um, so, and sort of like low-key, can you just, you know, whatever with his other, and like, yep. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to get picked up by Collingwood. Like, this is amazing. Oh, so you, so they were kind of telling you, don't speak to anyone else. We'll pick you up. Yeah, or just like, said? don't, you know, just blow your interviews, whatever. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and okay. so, and then I met with the Bulldogs last and, and spoke, and met with uh, Brendan McCartney, the head coach, and they didn't make any mention of picking me up. Like, obviously you interviewed, but they weren't like, yep, we're going to take you. And they had picked nine and I think Collingwood had picked 17 or something. So I was, I was entirely expecting them to go to Collingwood. So, um... It was a nice surprise seeing the name pop up on the laptop. I'm like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was, um, yeah, I still, and I still remember, like I told my friend and, and we had a slab of, slab of beers. I'm like, like going to get drafted and, and then ended up a Bulldog. So. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And then was there for 10 years. So I there you go. <laughs> I swear Fletcher's got a similar story too, because he, when he was on, he was talking about how he did a preseason with Melbourne or something. Yeah. <laughs> Or played in like an intra club and dominated and like, mate, we're going to pick you up. And then just out of nowhere, the Bulldogs like, I think then one person might have said something to him or whatever. And then they just picked him up. So yeah, he did. Um, yeah, he did the preseason with Melbourne and, <laughs> the and he missed out on schoolies, idiot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even go there. I remember I was on schoolies and got a call from Adelaide. Like, Can we do an interview with you? And I was sort of like, oh, it's going to have to wait till next week because I'm at school. So. <laughs> I feel like that's a common phone call they make to a lot of rookie drafters. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, no, if we go in, because I just want to go into a bit of like your background and nationality, because I know there's been um, Asian footballers that have played in the AFL before or Asian background, but I think you were the first like Australian slash East Timorese Taiwanese player to play in the, the AFL. Did... Might, might be the only one ever. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's quite the mix. <laughs> but like, I mean... Did, like when you came in with obviously that background, like how was that, um, I guess, taken in by your teammates and stuff? And it's not to kind of you know, throw a racism card at all or anything, but obviously like there's a, a completely different view of, 
you know, different colors and different shapes and sizes. And then there's not too many, you know, Africans playing the AFL. There's not too many Asian guys. I mean, how was that coming in for you? Um, like, I guess no, no one made a point of it, but, but the reality was I was different. I did have a different upbringing. I didn't play footy my whole life. I didn't, you know, have, you know, this or that, which, um, which I'm not, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about like, you know, I just wanted to be treated like anyone else, but, yeah. but I was, I, I, I did feel, you know, and I knew I was different to everyone else, um, which wasn't addressed cause it, maybe it didn't need to be, but, um, um, but I guess, yeah, I guess in, in my own self, um, and in my own head, it was sort of like, um, you know, I'm the only one who looks like me that's playing AFL anyway. Um, yeah. 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 Which can sort of either, you know, make you feel really proud or, or sort of make you a bit, feel a bit different and, yeah. and not an outcast, but just, yeah, just that the thought of being different, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, so, I mean, like, when you look back on now, it's pretty fucking cool, if yeah. you ask me. Oh, like, holy, holy fuck. Now that I've had time to reflect and I'm, and I'm older, it's, it's, and especially for my parents and, and to know how they proud, how proud they are of me. Um, like, I've, I got a letter from the, from the Prime Minister of East Timor congratulating me on playing my first game. No which way. Is, which is pretty, like, when I was, when I was 18 or 19, it was like, I was like, oh, like, yeah, cool. Like, I just want to play footy, whatever. <laughs> and now, like, now when I look at it, and, and especially for my dad, it's just like, it, it makes me so happy that they're so, you know, happy um, for me and, and proud of me. And, um, you know, probably means more to them than to me yeah, in, in yeah, a yeah, lot of, of ways. Yeah. yeah. So if you went to his team or you'd, you'd practically be gone. Like, they're, oh. they're, they're, you get a different, different, different set of treatment, I'm sure. I've been, I've been there before. Because <laughs> they're all about five foot. <laughs> yeah. I look, I look a bit like one, but, um, where, where did you get your height from then based off that? Like who's, who's, cause you're quite tall. Like, from, um, yeah, it's from dad. Oh, he's about six foot. I'd say, what are you? Six, one, six, six, two, six, two. Yeah. yeah. We'll call it six. Yeah. Six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but mum, mum's tiny. She might be like five, three or something like yeah, that. Okay. So it's definitely gotcha. dad. Um, if we go into, because obviously you came into the Bulldogs where there was a bit of a transition. I mean, you mentioned the first few years with, with Brendan McCartney and then obviously beverage, slick beverage came in. Um, I'm keen to understand like what the culture's like there, because a lot of what's put out in the media and obviously the success you see, you, you'd think that there's a pretty strong culture in it and everyone seems to be quite fond of each other and obviously winning a flag and so forth. So are you able to elaborate on like what the inner sanctum was like that obviously we didn't get to see? Um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, after 2014, so in, going into the 2015 season, um, you know, we lost our captain, we lost our coach. Um, and so that was all sort of a big change. And I think early days, um, and no disrespect to the, to the club or the players there, but it wasn't, it wasn't the most welcoming or friendly like it is now, um, where, I mean, in the sense that there was a lot of groups, there was older guys who, you know, stuck with the older guys and the, the young sort of the middle age stuck with them. And, and, um, you know, it was just like you had your groups and that was it. You, you know, no, I, I didn't, I barely had any friends in my first year, first, second year, I barely had any friends at all. Yeah. Um, whereas now, um, you come to the club and, and, and it's so, so well, like everyone talks to everyone. There's no hierarchies. Um, you know, the, Bond and, and Jack McRae are two, you know, best players, whatever. We'll, we'll talk to anyone on the list. You know, it's not mm. like anyone thinks they're above anyone or anything like that. And, and for me, um, like personally, I, like I could get a coffee with, with any of the blokes on the list. I can oh, sit really? down and have a chat with them. Yeah. Like you can still say that now yeah. after and, leaving and, the club. And, like that's pretty cool. Yeah. And yes, you still have your, your, your groups and you, you gravitate towards 
people naturally and that's how it is. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's so different to what it was as in, and you can't, you can't fake that stuff. Like you no. can't, you can't be like, Oh, Hey mate, do you want to get a coffee? Like yeah, just yeah. for the sake of it, because yeah. yep, I want to look like a leader or, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's like the old, uh, would you get a coffee with him? Yeah. Would you get a beer with him? Yeah. So oh, like that's pretty cool. Both tests, you know? do, do you think, yeah, more so the I think, I think the test is actually, would you let him look after you? <laughs> yeah. puppy, but we'll call it a beer. Yeah. Yeah. We'll call it a beer. <laughs> but do you think that's actually like helped the on field? Like, is that translated at all? Um, I think so, but it's, it's, it's something that you can't measure. It's hard, hard to measure because you know, how are you supposed to know what, what what a friendship off the field can do for you on the field. Correct, you know that's a I mean? good call. Um, and and maybe it's just that we're all on a connected level. Maybe the feedback you give, you're not you're not spraying a bloke around. What the fuck are you doing? Instead, it's like because they're your mate, you can talk to them properly. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just yeah, it's it's uh, who who knows? But obvious, like uh, there must be something that correlates between having you know being sort of close off the field and, and then to, to your on-field performance. Yeah. Cause, I mean, it's true the way you put that. You don't always need to be best mates off the field to play together. Like as long as there's a respect, like or whatever. Um, Bevo, like obviously as the coach, he's been pretty successful since he's come and he's obviously had to make some tough calls on players, but also he's um, he's got a pretty elite squad. But I'm just keen to understand what your relationship was like with him throughout that whole journey that you you went on. Um, yeah, we were fine. Like no, no qualms. We... You know, we wouldn't chat all the time or anything along those lines. Um, is he a chatty guy? He's like, is he kind of always man to man, like that man management aspect about him? Yeah, yeah, like he's like that. Yeah, I, I um, if I were to give you an example, when say walking down, when you, I was at Whitnoyville, walking down the hallway, I'd see Brendan McCartney, and I'd be shitting myself. <laughs> and um, I'd honestly be like, is he going to say hello? Do I say hello? Oh, like, what I do I do? I hate those coaches, I man. Think a couple of times, I'd say. Hey, Those Mac, coaches suck. Yeah, hey, Mac, how are you? Just like, nod his head to say nothing. <laughs> but with Bevo, like, it's just like, it's pretty breezy. It's like, you know, you're just going to be like, g'day, how you going, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, yeah, it was like, I've I've always gotten along with him. Um, like, some players are closer to him, than, and it's just, you know, as as I mentioned before, that's just, you know, the nature of, of life. And um, But, yeah, I've always, always had a healthy, healthy relationship with him. Is he got, a like, a huge influence on the doggies team, like in regards to like how they play, they set up, or is it really like an element of you guys have just got that many good players that it's just kind of helped his also coaching kind of stigma get, get sort of more praise or is he actually just like a super coach? Um, I think originally when he first came in, um, it was, he sort of gave us this license uh, of freedom and, and to sort of, and he just backed us in. Like, like it wasn't like, you know, we got to, tag this guy and this guy, we got to change this setup to, to beat this team. It's just like, let's just do our thing. Yeah. And then if that stacks up against them and, and let's do that. And, and along the journey, it's become a, a lot more player driven. Now it's like, you know, it's like, it's like you do this when you have the ball in it. It's like, you do what you feel is right. And then maybe, you know, maybe it works. Maybe we can, you know, if you're doing it too much, we'll give you some feedback, but um, it's very much now player driven and, and, and it's, it's, it's up to the other person you know, yeah. say with the ball, they can they can make the decision. It's not like kick down the line every time. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there might be instructions to do certain things, but but mainly just empowers the players, and that's um, that's what I find is the best thing. Uh, yeah, for, I agree. For, as a player coach, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, 
given the nature of the squad and like the elite quality you have, obviously across the midfield and and all these young players that keep coming through as well, the Bulldogs, like it's just turning into a machine. Like the number one draft pick is not even in the squad, probably going to be in the squad for the grand final, which is pretty crazy. Um, But like who, who in your eyes that you played or trained with, and it might not be the obvious, but that you just thought they're just a cut above everyone else or you like really admired for their ability or how they went about it. Um, I still, I still, like the easy picks, obviously, Bont, like still remember early days <laughs> and especially every preseason we'd come back to, it's just like we boys would talk and be like, he's gone like another level up, like what the hell is going really? Was on? He j- is he just training the house down in the off season or is he just naturally just yeah, works, evolving and maturing quicker? Works. One of those guys, like he works so hard, like he's in the club first, working hard, working with young guys. Um then we'll leave last. Like like one of those sort of genuine not to be cliche, but yeah, one of those ones. Yeah. Um and then um let's see, I guess, you know, Baz Lanka when he first came in, absolute beast like Didn't he get did he get in trouble, was it by the club or for for kind of overtraining? Or like yeah, just he just putting got, too much yeah, in. Yeah, he got told he just got told to, you know, train it and just <laughs> if you follow the program, you're gonna be fit enough. Like don't worry about So he was doing extras just to Yeah, that's, but that's, that's amazing. That's bro. and it's just like it's all in, in um like it means well, but like it might have, you know, it might have had to miss a, a training session here or there because he's run ten k's on this day instead of he should have done six or whatever. <laughs> um, so he was, you know, he was an absolute beast when he first came in. And um, I'm trying to think of other blokes that came in after me, and then and then you got, I guess, you know, uh, Jack Lecrae, and then he's a freak. yeah, because he's more. <laughs> Because he was more unassuming. You look at him and be like, how does he a football? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm, I'm very good mates with Jack and, and we like, still joke about it. It's just like you look at him and you're just like, what, what the fuck? Like, how, how are you racking 35, you? 40 every yeah. week? Um, and he just doesn't – he's consistent. He never gets injured and, like – and he just, yeah, he just does the same shit He's got a bit week. of a librarian vibe to him. Yeah, he's a bit <laughs> like that. Um, so I guess, yeah, those three blokes were um, um, probably – yeah, made a make it made a big impression. Usually, um, I guess when I when I was at the club, and then usually in in training sessions and whatnot. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because you look at like people like Bailey Smith now. You think I don't think he's missed a game since he started. So it kind of shows yeah, that's the harder you work, the luckier you get crazy, and stuff yeah. like that. Um, there's a there's a funny thing that I think I don't know if it was you that started or you walked into the Bulldogs around, but I, I kind of loved it. I just thought it was good banter. But essentially, there was a kind of tiering of socioeconomic. Uh, in the change room based off the number you had on your back. And I just wanted for you to elaborate on that because everyone knows, Lin Jong, you're pretty famous. And you touched on this actually recently, but you're pretty famous for the number 46. And so much so you even turned down, I think it was uh, Ryan Griffin's number. Uh, was it Ryan Griffin? Uh, yeah, when he left? 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 16. Yeah. When, so, and he was the captain, right? So you turned down that to keep the number 46, which is... Uh, I don't think the fans would have been happy yeah, if I took 16. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, could you go into the background of the change in the socioeconomic sort of brackets you guys are putting yourselves in? Yeah, well, so the locker room is different now to when I started, but it used to be, say, there was um, sort of three different sort of areas. Um, you had the 1 to 12, um, 13 to, say, 30, and then 30 to bloody 50 or whatever. Um, and it was sort of like you, you weren't, you couldn't talk to, like, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. <laughs> Anyone except for the blokes in, in in between like thirty to forty something, right? Um, and then the blokes in the middle could only see like you know you had to walk towards that area, right? So it was all sort of tiered, like um, um, and as you sort of alluded to, um, you know, we made a gag. It was a sort of a bit of a gag that you know obviously the blokes in the high numbers are, <laughs> uh, aren't 
probably the best, uh, the better players, <laughs> and then the blokes that are obviously um, the lower numbers, the top tier, um, which you know is Turak in Melbourne. So, <laughs> so, so wait, one to twelve was known as Turak. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I guess take that as you will, but you know, it's 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 uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it was just the rich the rich street, and then um, yeah, you had your 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 middle your middle class. Um, that's oh, I didn't really know what suburb to liken that to, but we just called it middle class. Yeah. Um, and then and then we had the Bronx, the, uh, <laughs> the, the shit kickers, the uh, the blue collar workers sort of things. Um, um, and I, I like it was now because now it's a completely open locker room, so you so can see everyone and talk. And and I think they made a a point in changing that up. Oh really? Yeah. Well, you, honestly, like if I sat at my locker, I can see everyone now. Like now, now, and then <laughs> back then, I couldn't see. I could only speak to, yeah, the bikes in the forties. <laughs> so they've given you the number forty-six, and they've also put you in an environment where you actually can't see or talk to anyone that's number one to thirty, as such. Basically, yeah, that's not good for confidence. I reckon <laughs> like, someone's gonna have a word to the bloke who set that infrastructure up. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily they've changed it now. So, <laughs> so I like now my locker would be like closer to one now. So ads like I could speak to him and and suckers Matt Suckling for him. <laughs> Um, so it's a whole lot different now. What did you, um, what did you find the hardest about playing AFL footy? Like what was maybe the obvious, it could be the obvious, but it could be something most people might not think of, but. Um, I think for me, um, I struggled a lot with anxiety and to a point where going into training, I would be anxious about training, like, and, and, and fucking up. Um, this was when I was younger. Um, but. Um, and that was with Brendan McCartney and, and it was a, you know, really, behind, he was a different coach. And was it based off the coach or was that you kind of just putting that on yourself? Uh, a well? little bit of both. Like I was fucking, oh, and, and coming into the AFL, I, I was a really shit kick. Like, cause I only started playing footy when I was 15. So I'd been playing, I played for three years and then I'm in the AFL system and I'm fucking, <laughs> You're bound to shank a cup. Yeah. And I was a fucking terrible kick. And so I was like, oh, I don't want the ball in my hands. Like, and, and all that kind of shit with training and the stress. <laughs> It's just stress like I couldn't sleep nights before and, and things no like way. that. Yeah. Um and then I guess yeah, and then like and then early days, game day is just the best part of it because you can just go out and play. Yeah. And then later I guess later on when it became more serious to me and I took it more seriously, that was the most stressful part playing a game. Um, which comes naturally to some guys, but for me it was always fucking like I used to have this mindset, it's just like I, I used to put so much pressure on myself, it's like I have to fucking play well, I'm gonna get dropped. Um, and, um, so that, like, I used to, I used to struggle with that a bit mentally. Um, like I, I always said, um, sort of later on pre-season is the best time because you just train, there's no pressure for games. There's no pressure for that kind of stuff. You're just mm. getting fit and that's pretty much it. Did, did you struggle with like the expectations maybe more so that was coming from yourself, like playing footy games or was it more the external sort of expectations put on you that you felt were just fucking with your head a little bit um i, I think for, more so for me um because it was a mix because i i i'm not the most confident person i wasn't <laughs> the most confident player mm. yet i had the aspirations to be you know i wanted to play afl every week and then when you're it's not you know, delusional but when you like the reality is if you're you know if you're not i guess the most confident player um and then you've got you know, ridiculous aspirations that you'll never live up to really. Mm. Um, you're just setting yourself up for failure. 
Um, and not to say like that I, I lowered my expectations and, and things like that, but it's just like I just became more real with where, I'm, where I was at as a player. Yeah. Um, and that came with sort of growing up and maturing, I think. Fair. Yeah, because I, I, my, like, my biggest enemy was myself all the time. Mm. And I think a lot of players are like that. Um, if we go into the 2016 AFL campaign, because obviously that was the year the Bulldogs won, um, and I think probably my sentiment around that time, and I could be wrong, but not many people probably were ticking the Bulldogs as the ones that were going to win that flag at the start of the year. It might have been an internal belief, but I was keen to get the inner sanctum expectations on that season and what the sort of feeling was. Like, were you guys really going to win it that year? Did you guys think you were in a window with the squad you have? Like, what what was the expectations there? Um, yeah, I think... Um I guess, like going along through the season, it was like you know we're expecting we want we're expecting to make finals because right. we did the year before and we we missed out uh, on you know making it past the first final by a few points, and um, and sort of uh, you know along the way in the season it's just about week after week you know that real yeah. cliche but that's what it that that's the reality of it, and then once you know once it's like you get to the point where you, you know you know you're in finals and the sort of the narrative changes, um, um, and yeah, I remember that boy came, got up and, and, and spoke to the group and um, was sort of, it's sort of like one of those, why not us? Like, obviously there's heaps of excuses, you know, we're young, we're this and that. Um, but then it's just like, why not us? And mm. it's, and, and he made mention, oh, I remember it because um, he made mention of, of the group that we had there and how it was the best team he's played with and, and, wow. and, and whatnot and this and that. And he played in those prelims and stuff. And He'd been there for ages. Too. Yeah, yeah. And I remember because that was a big moment because I, I was tossing up leaving the Bulldogs after that season and I was like, geez, if Matt Boyd's saying that, that's a pretty fucking big deal. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, yeah, I, I, after that point, it was sort of like once we got past West Coast in the first final, it was just like, holy shit. Yeah, like, game on. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, well, we beat West Coast at West Coast. Um, yeah, which is like, unbelievable. We can just like, yeah, we like, who says we can't win and whatnot. How was your season that year, like your form? Because obviously I want to go into the first final, which I think was against West Coast where, um, yeah, the unfortunate happened. But how was your form overall that year? Were you in and out of the squad? Were you playing much consistently? Um, I was, uh, I think, I, oh, sorry, at the start I was I was in and out a little bit. Um, 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 I thought, yeah, <laughs> it was. Oh, I thought I was personally stiff to get dropped in the first place. I think I had 17 touches and a goal. So I must have been doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so went back to the VFL. And like play, I, I, I think I played four games in the VFL that year and, and was like I was really confident playing in the VFL. Um, and and then I guess once I got back in the squad, I ended up getting a three-week suspension actually. Right. Um, just a bad sort of bump. Um, and then once I got back in, um, that was I think I played sort of the last – Twelve games. Um, okay, so you've you had a run, but you yeah, run yeah, and I was probably, probably at a point where you know <laughs> I was you know safe with my position, and I wasn't going into every week thinking, "Geez, I need to play well. I'm going to get dropped." Right, um, right. And then towards like the end of the season, like I was starting in the midfield because we had players go out, who, like Jack McRae and, and Libba, who, who got injured. Um, and then uh, I think yeah, I, last game of the season and. Um, I had sort of a career high in disposals and was, you know, really confident in myself. Um, and then and then started in, like, on ball in, in the first bounce against West Coast. Holy shit. Which is, you know, probably probably <laughs> would have made way eventually for, for <laughs> Jack McCray or something like that. Well, still, but, take it off. But to, you know, to think that and, and um, um, so that was, you know, I, I was, I, I um, it was, it was probably, you know, my, 
I, I think it was my second best season of my career, yeah. Yeah. Was, um, like, do you still look back? Are you a bit heartbroken around how that ended? Because obviously, you, for those that don't know or are listening, you broke your collarbone. Was it in the first final? Was yeah. it away at West Coast? Yeah, yeah. Which, remarkably, there's a story of how you came back and played in the VFL Grand Final. Um, I don't know how to talk about that. Yeah, no, well, you've, it's been well <laughs> no, no, broadcasted no. enough. But, um, like, they're just going off, like, obviously missing the, the GF. Like, was that – does that still hurt today or are you kind of comf- comfortable with with how that ended? Um, I, like, earlier, like, it, it hurt a lot. I probably didn't process it properly. Um, and then – but it was a huge motivating factor for me going into 2017, which was my sort of career um, – my best sort of season career-wise. And then um, I guess um, like it still still hurts a little bit just sort yeah. of saying, you know, knowing you weren't part of that 20, like, yeah, you're part of the when you When it wasn't like really based on ability because you would have been if you were fit probably, right? Well, yeah, the, which the, is like what I like to think. If, you know, obviously we win the pre- – like who, who are you going to drop, honestly? Yeah, they can't um, drop a pre-link. Um, and, and then um, I think sort of yeah, – it, it just hurts a bit because I played 16 games in the season and – and I got nothing to show for it, sort of thing. Mm. Um, even though you know you're part of it and, and and whatnot, which is why I'm actually a big advocate for just give everyone some sort of a, <laughs> something <laughs> sentimental. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> um, well, I, I I do not I don't give a shit about this season, but like, uh, how's Josh Bruce not going to get anything? You know, yeah, it's, it sucks. It, it doesn't make it. I'm going off topic here, sorry. But no, but I think it's the like I don't know if I think it's one of the only sports that. That does it like that. I think I so. Think, well, even like NBA, or, they all get I, rings. I know in the EPL, it's I think you have to play fifteen games out of thirty-five. Maybe um, okay. something something along those lines. Um, but you know, in the NBA, you all get rings. Doesn't matter if you sit on the bench. You're <clears throat> and even like you know, as players, they're flying up there. The boys are training still. They're doing a whole lot of shit. It's but like, see, I, I like my perspective is who's making that decision because I reckon you ask the twenty-two blokes playing like, hey, should, would you guys care if Lin Jong hasn't got no. No one would give a fuck. Yeah. So who's making that call if no one cares? It's some bloke in the AFL that just generally doesn't understand that well, there's a bunch of blokes that it takes to get there. Yeah. And and obviously I'm biased. But, yeah. I'm a bit biased too, though, because I think it's a bit um, – like, you're right with the Josh Bruce but situation. The, but the, the, the squad should – like, blokes, you, you need people to train with. You need blokes to – you know, who knows what kind of effect this bloke has with this guy off the field, you know, he might, you know, help him so much. And then, you know, you've got nothing to show for it sort of thing. But, you know, there should be, uh, I, I get there's 22 on the field, you, you win, you get the medal and stuff. But then what about, what about the assistant coaches who help, yeah, I know. who help Bond every day? Like Stephen King who helps Bond every single yeah. day. Like, yeah, <laughs> just like things so like not, that. So no, none of the backroom staff get a medal, just the, just the main coach? No, just, a, I think, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, I think in 2016, I think we got a, a poster or some shit. Wow. Yeah. Fucking poster. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all right, but um, but something. it probably hurts me more to keep yeah, it. Honestly. I was just going to say, that would be, be more of a stab. Um, the, the next year, though, like if we go past that, because obviously the Bulldogs won, it was miraculous, but the next year was a bit of a like contentious one for you because um, I think you were in a bit of a like a, a potential trade window. And I was at Collingwood and maybe Gold Coast to – a couple of clubs that were pretty keen on having you. You touched on obviously Matt Boyd's convo that maybe kept you around. Um, but like, how close were you to leaving? Like that that period. Um, well, I was like, it was. It, it, Matt Boyd's speech, as I said, was you know pretty 
um, made me think a lot about. So were you having these chats with these clubs around that time? Like obviously you're still playing because I yeah. I'm assume that you would have to, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you need to yeah. sort out like your I, future. I met up with Gold Coast as well mid-season. Last yeah. Year. yeah. That's just it's what you do sort of thing. Um, and um, yeah, like they, uh, Gold Coast put like a three-year offer there and a big part, like I had um, a chat with my sort of my ex-partner now, but we were sort of tossing up whether – Move, uh, up. move to the Gold Coast is the right thing, or like, do I? Do I is it because of games? Like, because I'll back myself to get games, like to play games and stuff, and 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 then like the place, like the club, and mm. I, like I'm I'm so happy I start. I, I can sort of say, you know, even though it might not seem like a big deal to some people, but uh, you, you, like to I, you know, could have had more money going to different clubs, but I wanted to stay at the Bulldogs because that's just like I love the Bulldogs and. That's, mm. Like again, might not mean much coming from me because I play, I didn't play as many games or whatever. But, but in myself, I can say um, you feel I played at the one club and I played over ten years and and I could have gone. That's a huge thing in the AFL. I feel is like this one club. Like there's like a I don't know if it's like a, um, like a branding thing or like just the feel good factor. But because I come from other sports where mate, like no one gives a fuck. Like unless you're playing for like Man U or mm. Man City, yeah. and you're going to go to the other team. Yeah. Like there's no, no one really cares about one. There's no such thing. Yeah. So when I come here with footy, it's like, it's a real, it's like a real big thing. Um, so that's it. That's fascinating for me. Cause you probably feel like better and standing on your own two feet that you made that decision. Don't you as well? It's kind of sticking there or. Yeah. And now I sort of like, feel like I had sort of had, had an impact on the club and I've made friends for life, um, yeah. which is, you know, a typical thing to say, but, um, yeah. And, and, and a big thing for me sort of to play on into my 10th season is I, I think you get life membership after Ten years of service, so oh, cool. So I was sort of like, well, Fuck, why not? if I could say that, like I was a bulldog life member, that would be a fucking pretty cool thing. To say. Mate, I actually think you're going to be like a bulldogs legend because like you've 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 gone through a hell of a lot, and the way you played the game, and obviously career cut short for for us, you know, other reasons that were somewhat out of your control, really, which sucks. But the 2017 season, would that was that probably like your best year? Um, I think it was at the year the year after you, yeah, the year after the grand final. Where, yeah, yeah, definitely, um, and. As I said before, I've sort of used that motivation. Um, I guess I'm missing out to, like, you know, just, you know, get – oh, I was super fit in the off season. Come back in the preseason, I think I came second in our, in our fitness tests and and I'm not the fittest guy and for me to do that was a pretty big deal. And then, yeah, I like, didn't, didn't play in the VFL at all that, that year and was just sort of game after game and I was, you know, um, pretty happy with how I was going. Um, I think I was – you know, I'll start starting in the midfield and, and then, yeah, unfortunately did my knee that year. And then, yeah, and then things sort of just went downhill from there, to be honest. And, um, yeah, after, after I did my ACL, I never really could have like just string it along together. I Mate, think. that's a, that injury is like for me changes people's lives. Like, mm. I don't know about you, but I've obviously been around people. I've never done it obviously, so I can't speak to it, but I, it just, even the rehab process, it like just changes everything like movement, confidence, like functionality, the rehab, that the length of time it comes back, like yeah, it was yeah. Looking back, as uh, yeah, I think it was the toughest part, like toughest rehab I've ever done. Mm. Um, and I think uh, what's like sort of doesn't get spoken about enough is is mentally when you come back to play when you've done an ACL. Like I, it took me so long, like to to be confident in my knee and and to shake that, maybe it's just me, but to shake that sort of thought before games, it's like, geez, if I could do my knee again, I'll be out for the whole season. Oh, really? So yeah. the, the more, are you talking more like 
coming from the mental of like you don't want to get re-injured as opposed to you just feel out of whack playing footy again. Because a bit, like, like a bit of both, but the re-injury part played a huge part of mine. Like I was, I kept going into games thinking that and it's like, you know, if you're going into games thinking about getting injured, yeah, you know, yeah, it's what like chance another. you have with your yeah. performance. Especially um, when you play like you, mate, running into bloody <laughs> steam trains. Well, like I, I, I lost confidence in going up for marks, like aerially, like yeah. just like, it just changed, changed a lot and it took me, took me so long to sort of just forget about it in a way, like, or just be able to just play without thinking about it. Man, um, it's a pretty crazy story. Like for, for those that obviously have watched your career, I think they definitely admired how you went about it. And it's the unsung story of the athlete, mate, like injuries and business and the, the, out, the things you can't control that can get in the way of the career are always tough. But I mean, for you now, you touched on it a bit before the show, before we went on there, like what, what's sort of the future for you. Do you have any other interests outside of footy? Have you always been sort of footy, footy, footy or? Um, I think, um, yeah, I'm still sort of finding my feet a little bit. I think in during footy, you get, you, you get your hand held a lot in towards like in regards to sort of like, just, you know, do this and do that. And, and this is your schedule. And, and then now that it's just like, you've got this sort of freedom now. It's just like, shit, do you, do you do find do? it hard or do you find, are you enjoying it? Because um, I found it, like I'm not great when I don't have discipline, so I went off the rails when yeah. I didn't have it because yeah. I was like, "Fucking, I don't need to wake up." Well, Lucky you went locked down, I'd be fine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but you do because you're just not used to it. Yeah, anymore, no, yeah? it's it's been an interesting sort of journey. Like I'm, um, it's it's like it, it. I still I love that freedom of, of just being able to do my own schedule and make my own days and weeks, but it also is is fucking scary because all I've known I've gone out of high school where everything's regimented into football where everything's regimented and that's been my life for the past what 18 mm. years yeah bro, <laughs> essentially it's, it's full on man now i'll be i'll be honest it took me five years yeah. like five years like, i'm not trying Don't to scare you. <laughs> <laughs> i think yeah yeah but i was i was a bit younger like i think you got a better head on your shoulders than you already um than i had but like it took me a while man like just because it was all i knew Mm. Um, and I, it's not that I wanted to be a footballer anymore either. Like I'm like you, I was content with it being done, but it was just like, how do you, how do you find the motor to get, get out of bed? So, yeah, I do. I do look forward to, to sort of, I, I guess, yeah. What, what, what impact I can make sort of without that football identity and, and, and Fuck, it's, it's cool though. Right. When yeah. you find that or when that you'll be like, cause you don't want to be known as, you don't want to be known as Lin Jong, the footy player for the yeah, rest of your life. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how many how many friends drop from that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe at the pub. That'll be you can still carry that weight there. But um, <laughs> no, mate, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, like learning your story. Um I obviously know Fletcher Roberts quite well and he speaks about you as a one of the best blokes going around who's fancies himself a beer pong, so I'll have to be the judge <laughs> of that uh one day. But um, mate, really do appreciate it. No, thank you, mate. I always, uh, always appreciate you for coming on podcast. Like, I sort of learn something new about myself. Uh, I think every time I come on, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. What I did always... you learn today? Out of curiosity, I'm gonna have to reflect back, but like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say something like, "Geez, I'm fucking nailed that." <laughs> but um, oh, good, mate. No, no, it's been great. Mate. No, yeah. awesome. Thank you. Cheers. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. 
simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.